reading again this evening from Romans chapter 12, the same passage we read this morning. Won't hurt us to repeat that together. Chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. May God bless to his reading and to, to our hearing the inspiration and the blessing of this passage. Well, this morning we saw that positive command of verse 1, that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices unto God. And having done that in the presence of the table of God, we are now prepared for the will of God. That is, it takes someone who's at the disposal of the Almighty to do his will. And having placed ourselves under his command and at his disposal, we are now ready for that will. Yet there is a great obstacle that stands in the way of doing the will of God. That obstacle is confronted right away in verse 2. Worldliness is the hindrance in the life of the Christian to the accomplishment of the will of God. Therefore, we have immediately after that great command, present your bodies, we have this warning and instruction. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, <clears throat> such a large, formidable topic as worldliness and our relation to it, how do we approach that? Well, let's think first, what is the world? Let's try to understand the world. I think one of the reasons that we as Christians don't have more victory and more overcoming with regard to the world is that we don't really know what that is. But if we were to search through other places in the Scripture, and especially in the Greek words that lie behind these, we might come up along this sort of idea, that the world stands for human nature working itself out in human life. That's the world, fallen human nature, spinning itself out in all its implications in human life. The world is life without God. Life that is lived as if God were dead. The world is life that has no concern 
for the will of God. In fact, the word behind world here means this age. It doesn't always mean that in Scripture, but this particular Greek word, world, refers to this period of time as opposed to the age to come. This age and the age to come. And so the suggestion is that this world is a temporary thing. That it's a kind of intruder. That the world doesn't belong on the earth. That's strange. We, we equate world with earth, but the Bible doesn't. The world has no right to be on the earth. That's the picture of the scripture. The world is an interloper, uh, an intruder that doesn't belong here. It's the result of sin which has permeated this earth, but which is not at home here. It's a foreign element. And the desire of the world is the gratification of its own appetites as opposed to the doing of the will of God. And so two unalterably opposed realities stand out immediately. The world seeking its own selfish pleasure and the will of God, which is divine love in action. We have to understand what we're up against with the world. Now, where's the world heading? We said it was fleeting. Where is it fleeing to? This age, if we read in 1 John more about the subject of the world, what begins to emerge is that this world is passing away. It's on its way somewhere. It's ever-changing. Its prince is the prince of darkness, and therefore its destination is the kingdom of darkness. This world is on its way to hell. It's ever moving. And the only reason that the world can be tolerated, that is, this spirit of the world, the only reason it's tolerable is that it's moving. If the world did not constantly change its vices and its entertainment, it would be utterly boring and deadly and exhausting. It's only hope to be allowed and tolerated is its ever-changing scene. But the earth, the will of God, does not change. He that does the will of God abides forever. So you see, to attach yourself to the fashions, customs, ideas, thoughts of this world is to get on a sinking ship. You don't belong there. That's passing away. The world is passing away. Now there's one other reason that the world seems to be tolerable. God in his grace has given benefits for the people of his own love for his own church. He's given some good graces in this world, things like the love of a family, of a spouse, of a parent, a child, the love of a friend, things like tasty food and travel and art and music. 
humor, all these rich and good things that are found in life, God has put here for the enjoyment of his people. But he is so gracious and so good that he extends them like the rain also to the unbeliever so that the unbeliever shares in these things. And that is the only reason he can stand the world. When the world reaches its destination, which is the kingdom of darkness, it will be unrelieved by laughter, by marital love, by deep friendship, by humor. All of these good graces will be gone, and the world will be left stark naked for what it really is. And a man will be alone with his lust, unable to fulfill it, unable to vary it. He will be consumed by it, and that is hell. Then will the world show its true colors and will be what God has told us all along it actually is. The only thing that allures you to it now is the fact that in the present life it is mixed in with good things. If you ever saw it for what it really is, you would turn and run. We have to understand the world. Its aim is to make you look like it, to try to shape you externally, superficially, into its mold. The world, the mind of the world and its prince knows that you who are God's people, you cannot be found at any deep level engaged in the world, no. But what it does want to do is make you at least on the surface appear like the world to adopt its habits and pastimes and ways of thinking. And so very gradually it attempts to dull your alertness to its evil and to cause you to drift from your nonconformist position it seeks to squeeze you into its mold. That's the way, the aim, the strategy of the world because behind the world is the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself. And if he can conform you to his worldly way, he has opposed you to the doing of the will of God. He has cut the nerve of your obedience to the will of God because you can't do both. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You cannot do both. Have the world and the will of God both. Satan knows that. And so he's trying to conform you, that is externally, shape you into his mold. But what do we do? Do not be conformed to this world. Well, that's easier said than done, but we have some suggestions here. One is that we must be ourselves as Christians. Know who you are. You are a child of the new citizenry. 
You're a subject of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You don't belong to this earth. This is not your home, that is, to this world. You're a citizen of the earth because you're going to be here long after the world is gone. When the world goes to its darkness, these heavens and earth will be renewed and you'll be here. You are not going to change substantially, ever, if you're in Christ. Oh, you have a little river to cross over there. That's death. That'll be a, a trauma, a little ripple in the stream for you, but you're not going to change substantially from what you are right now. You're going to go right on into eternity. The kingdoms of this world for you are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. I'll give you a new heaven and a new earth, and you're going to be a citizen of that. He that doeth the will of God abides forever. You see, you've got to know who you are, what your citizenry is, and realize that God has given you the power to overcome the world. Be of good cheer, said Jesus. I have overcome the world. He's given us eyes to discern what is the world and a mind to understand its fleeting character and a will to overcome its temptations. Know who you are. As you look at the world, you've got to understand also its It's mixed character. That is, the world, the earth, which is the setting of the world, contains a twofold movement. The world is passing away. The kingdom of God is more and more being established. So two things are happening here. One is going, the world is passing away, and one is coming. The kingdom of God is being built and it is growing like the mustard seed. And you need to see that we're in a situation of mixed occupancy. In the midst of one scene, two things are happening. Discern them. Now, as we said, the benefits of the children of God are extended also to the children of darkness. That's God's common grace. And so, what we're seeing there is that the Lord of glory is showing to us more and more how abiding and true his ways are. When the world is trying to squeeze you into its mold, remember that there is in you the capacity to be appealed to. If we share with sinners the benefits of God, we also share with them sin. Even though we've been redeemed from its penalty, sin still lingers within us, and it, has a, it gives the world a foothold in us. There is something to which the prince of darkness can appeal in us. 
sin still lingers there. And so what happens is the lust of the flesh reaches out to us. The lust of the flesh is one element of worldliness. And that refers to the fact that a, a Christian can allow his bodily appetites to get outside the channels of godly usage, overflow the boundaries, until his life becomes a consuming passion of human lust. That's a strand of worldliness that enters the Christian life, the lust of the flesh. It burns inside the heart of a man or a woman and makes him do that which he would not do. The thing he hates he does because the lust of the flesh has gotten hold of him and begins to dominate him. He belongs to God. But he's given the devil a bit of an opening in his life. And he's pandered to the flesh and allowed the flesh to have a dominance over the spirit. That's worldliness. There's the lust of the eye. That is being satisfied with viewing either one's own possessions just craving sight of certain things for one's own gratification. It doesn't have to have acting upon, but just to see. Or not to see. If you don't want to see what your neighbor has prospered in, that's the lust of the eye. That's negative lusting. I won't look at his new car. I will, I'll act like it's not there. That's the lust of the eye in negative terms. The pride of life is another strand of worldliness. That strand is living by the opinions of others so that I live my life by what people think of me. And my own estimate of myself is based upon those around me, the pride of my life. If anyone, as a Christian, allows in himself the lust of the flesh, consuming desire, the lust of the eye, the desire to see or not to see, the pride of life and undue awareness of others' opinions, any one of these strands is being conformed to the world and is deadly to knowing the will of God. Some of you would like to know the will of God. You want to find it out. You're praying for it. But you're allowing worldliness to cut the optic nerve of your soul so that you cannot see the will of God and do it. Now God wants to. Understanding ourselves means that we know this mixed occupancy. We know that in this present time, we are susceptible 
to the temptations of the world. We are not above them, not beyond them. They can appeal to us, and we can succumb to worldliness. Otherwise, it would never say, be not conformed to this world. Oh, friends, the Christian lives in the mountain lands, the place of God. Why should he descend into the valley and live like people who are blinded by the God of this world? There's no reason why we are to live like them. We are to live like a new species of man with a new heart and a new vision and new standards, not like an, an old man in a new dress, but like a new man what it means. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. This is what is God's will for us, that at a very deep level, in our heart, from within, the Spirit of God would so influence our mind and our conscience and our will that he would remake our inner life into the likeness of Christ. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conformed is just a superficial change. Transformed is a deep inner transfiguration in which the springs of a person's life are fashioned into the springs of the life of Christ. happens as the Word of God is brought into the center of a person's being through the ministry of the Word in public, through the study of the Word in private, through the confrontation of the Word in the conscience. Now, friends, two things are, cannot happen at once. If you are being conformed to the world, you can't be being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you're allowing yourself now to dabble in worldliness and enjoying it, this is your way as a Christian, then the process of inner transformation is not going on in you. You have arrested that process. And the converse is true happily. If you are being renewed in your mind, if the Holy Spirit is refreshing and restructuring and repatterning the mind which sin has disturbed and distorted and spoiled within you, but the Scripture is remaking it into the image of God, then that is the best protection against being conformed to the world. This is the way to preserve yourself from worldliness is to focus upon the transforming of the inner life and worldliness will be nothing to you. Let me suggest that throughout these two verses, one of the great themes is the will of God. And you who tonight want to 
be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I ask you to focus on the will of God. In the Lord Jesus' life, he said, my food is to do the will of him that sent me. Doing the will of God is everything in the believer's life, just everything. And so if you want to get this whole matter into a clear and unified perspective, focus on the will of God. Because as your mind is being transformed and renewed within you, something wonderful happens. You develop true and exact ability to know the will of God. Do you know Christians who seem to have a right sense almost all the time about what God wants them to do? They just seem to be able to do it and they know it immediately. And there are other Christians who have a knack for doing precisely the opposite of what God wants them to do. They stumble from one mistake into another. And their worldliness breeds new worldliness. And their growth is not upward but downward. Ever learning, they never come to the knowledge of the truth. And the reason is, that they are conforming to this world rather than allowing the word of God to renew their mind and transform them. I would that every one of you had within you the innate ability nurtured by the Spirit to discern swiftly and obediently what is God's will. For me. That then is the question. It's no help to ask of a certain activity, is this worldliness? Is that worldliness? No. The thing to do is to say, is this the will of God for me? Is this attitude, this pattern, this activity, is this the will of God for me? And you'll know what worldliness is by that question. You will detect it. You'll be able to leave it. Because the Christian's delight and occupation is the will of God. When you do that, friends, you begin to love the world as Christ did. He had a love for the world to save it to redeem it. He moved among all segments of society, but he never was conformed to it. He loved it to redeem it. And whoever is asking the question, what is the will of God for me, has that kind of love for the world. So tonight here with the presence of of the elements of Christ in front of us. I want to appeal to you with all my being. Everything comes down at last to two simple elements. A choice. Christian, 
Are you going to flirt with the world? Are you going to let it squeeze you into its mold and lose your ability to discern the will of God and head with the world toward its darkness? It passes away and the lusts thereof. Are you going to make the supreme desire of your life to do God's will? And in order to do that, let the Holy Spirit renew and shape and make your mind through the Word of God that you will very clearly see what God wants you to do. That's the choice for Christians. Worldliness, or the will of God. And these are the verses. Present yourselves, your bodies. Give your bodies to God, my body for thee. And then day by day, seek to transform your mind and your life by the word of God in doing his will. Why bother? with that which passes away when he that do, doeth the will of God abides forever. There's a young person here tonight who's struggling with the will of God. There are activities and friends and desires that are pulling you. The world's trying to shape you. It wants you. But Christ is here. And he has your heart, and you belong to him. Shun the world. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. There's a person here in midlife in whom the lust of the flesh burns. And you've been flirting with the idea of giving way to it and indulging that. Nobody will know. I say to you, one strand of worldliness is to be conformed to it. Why play with the prince of darkness? Shall he take you to hell with him? There's an older soul here for whom the lust of the eye has become an occupation. You just please your eye with one thing after another. And your eye is not focused on the word of God. Your life isn't being transformed anymore. You have what the scriptures call the destruction that wastes at noonday. And God's calling you to put away that worldliness and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let your eyes rest on his word and your spirit be remade. There's the Christ's. Present your bodies. There's the process. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind and so fulfill the word of God. Let us
the presence of these holy elements set apart by prayer and thanksgiving. Lord, we surrender. Some of us did not surrender our bodies this morning, but we do so now. And we give up our worldliness. And we take the will of God as our chief desire, our longing, our home. Give us grace, Lord. Keep us faithful and true. Renew our minds. Transform our lives. Don't let us live in the valley where the God of this world blinds eyes. In Jesus' name.